Hello and welcome to another episode of Monster Deer Monster, a monster exploration podcast where we take a look at monsters from their early inceptions to their current pop culture incarnations. I'm one of your hosts, Dave, and today I'm joined by Leonard. How's it going, Leonard? I'm good, Dave. Uh, good to have you back. Sorry you missed Castlevania, but I uh, am doing well. Uh, and besides, there is plenty more Castlevania for you to cover coming up. I was going to say, I think it's 38 episodes or so for the whole shebang. So, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> we'll be we'll be back with a few more seasons of that uh, before it all is said and done. So no worries. It's it's fine that you missed the OVA. <laughs> yeah, it was one four episodes, one movie is what it kind of <laughs> rolled out to. I think when I when I was watching it in preparation for a thing I couldn't do, but um that is all right. As you said, there's there's more Trevor at all um in the future, which is next weekend actually. So yeah, but, but we what are, are we covering this weekend, Dave? <laughs> something just as uh, lighthearted and enthralling. Uh, <laughs> we are uh, we are returning to cover the next three stories in Christopher Slatsky's Electromancer and Other Weird Tales. It's a it's a book anthology that, um, while the they're Ligotti adjacent. I would say yes. because he's his own Christopher Slatsky's his own genre. Um he traffics in like the weird tale, um, but it's not wholly informed by one author or another. He's he's doing his own thing. As we found out on the uh the first uh the first go round, it was very grotesque, very depressing. Yes. Melancholic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, the, it changes up a little bit. Uh, some of those things are still inherent in these next three tales. Uh, we're just haphazardly grabbing three tales at a go because that, that fits our, our format for the episode runtime uh, on average. But I think that the first pick of these three, uh, I mean, we're just going in order of how they are presented in the anthology, but the the first one fits a little less than the second to seem to go together a little more. Huh. Uh, huh. I think that's I kind thought, of interesting. But... Uh, well, I, I was, uh, after, after reading through these three, uh, stories back to back, there seemed to be at least the through line of childhood trauma bleeding over into adult life. Uh, that, uh, that, um, um, yeah, that that is a that is a that is a, a theme that runs through all three of them. Yeah, I think on reflection, it's the the density of the first one. Yes, uh, threw that off a little bit, um, but it it does still have that um, component. So we'll we'll get into that um, as we do and see how we can try to summarize these three very very interesting tales um the first one is no one is sleeping in this world which all i could think of was uh sleep has her home <laughs> <laughs> so yes. that that fit a little a little more with the third entry i would say mm -hmm. 
than this yes. first one that that comparison but um this is about uh two uh i guess they're like postgraduate students they're not yes. really students they're just adults they've gone to yeah. school <laughs> they, they have like art degrees um and they're working on a um an art piece a uh the the documentary the landscape of open eyes and this is julia and i i feel like the the narrator's unnamed but that's probably me just losing track of if she was named i i do know that she was named i think it's at the end because this one this one was quite quite dense as far as like all of what was going on in it (laughs) yes it's denser and uh a, a lot less explicit in in um in what is going on than the the other two yeah it's um carla so there we go yes julia and carla just to name one right there uh they're they're doing um urban exploration basically yes Looking, looking at uh what cities once were and trying i think trying to use that to inform like what they could um be or be once again and mm-hmm. a, a lot of this is couched in the um architecture of one alexi uh yes who is this felt uh like it sits kind of in that um in the mouth of madness, uh, Alexei is kind of a Sutter Kane mm-hmm. figure, but for architecture instead of novels, where yes. uh, that his architecture, um, he's no longer, he's, he's dead, and it's all um, remnants of, of buildings that he potentially may have had a hand in designing, and they'll have um, little motifs or, or things that like, uh, hint that he was um, had his had a hand in designing whatever the building was, the edifice, um, and that appears to be the draw uh, for these two women. They've found a built like a lost Alexei design building in the sort of warehouse district. Um, yes, of, of the city. Uh, it's, it's, a neb- it's a nebulous. <laughs> Uh, it's it's Skid Row in, mm. out here in L.A. <laughs> well, I mean, it is in the in the in the story too. They they do mention that. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just it's the whole area gone to pot. Yes, uh, which is feels very pr- uh, Prince of Darkness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just gonna we're just gonna throw all the carpenter. Uh, references that are appropriate for the story in. yeah it 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 does feel like it sits in that sort of genre yes there i think there's a there's a, an important note to be made which is these two um artists 
I think it w- is probably the term that they would like attributed to them uh, uh, the most were heavy users of of psychotropic drugs uh, it, during their film school days. And also, even more importantly, is that uh, most of the buildings that Alexi uh was cre- oh, I'm sorry uh most of the buildings that were credited to Alexi have in fact been destroyed at this point so the fact that they've stumbled across a building that may be one of one of theirs that is still around is is a big get for them yeah it's very significant and it would um, be like the the linchpin kind of cornerstone piece um in their documentary is what mm-hmm. they're Intending to use it for, um, however, it is in, as we mentioned, a sort of derelict section of the city, uh, and they had arranged with the property owner to uh, have, like, a tour of the building. Right. Was um, Carla's understanding. However, um, her friend has decided, uh, Julia, uh, has decided that that didn't pan out, and they're just (laughs) gonna, like sneak in <laughs> yes and have their, their film equipment and get what they need from the documentary and then just take off but from the get-go and we get a little bit of carla's uh like teasings of her of her youth and um some of the issues that she's has physically mm-hmm. that she was uh, born with it doesn't give enough detail on that other than uh, it's a combination of, of ailments she had as a child and then probably the heavy drug use <laughs> through her right. through her young adult years that um, contributed to, um, she has like um, tinnitus. And I think that she, um, I've forgotten the name of the condition. It's where you, your senses have been scrambled. Mm-hmm. And, like, you taste colors and see sounds. I think, I, I don't know what, I can't think of what that's called. She may have a bit of that, too, I think it's hinted at. Yes, she does mention uh, that a, I believe it's a car horn, triggers, like, a massive, massive cluster headache because of her tinnitus uh, while they're on their way to the Alexi warehouse. Yeah, and she's been having a lot of like visual hiccups. She's she's seeing things that probably shouldn't be there, um, and that ga- gauging um, Julia's reaction aren't there. So she's she has like phantom images in her head. She's that's the part that leans a little bit on Carpenter as well, mm-hmm. where she's she's imagining like derelicts to have melty faces and kind of just weird trash bags there's things that are just refuse kind of blowing to the street but she mistakes them as faces or weird creatures um but then when she blinks or whatever focuses on it it's back to like what it probably should be um however yes. it's it's prevalent enough that it's like troubling her mm-hmm. carla also has like a dream journal that i believe she's kept since she was a child uh, that is full of accounts of uh, <laughs> wild architectures and strange cities and uh, is very, <laughs> every Lovecraft protagonist 
warning bell uh, that you can possibly imagine. <laughs> and she does seemingly have a fixation on on architecture and and what architecture now uh, is saying about the past because there seems to be a really big correlation to the uh, well the the main idea is that a, a city is a living thing like the buildings or cells and all the people in it it's that it's a a, a living functional creature that is one of her yeah uh, it's it's a points. it's a blueprint for an organism yes and then there's a here's a small quote it's from the beginning of it um where it's julia asking if they're still shooting the the, the warehouse um and uh they haunted the haunted warehouse and carla remarks it's not haunted ghosts or just how a city dreams about what it used to be yeah so that's an interesting thesis that she's using in her landscape of open eyes a documentary but um yeah they they get there and oh here's the bit um infrastructure was just another ghost swarming with parasitic denizens humanity a pack of animals dancing on the head of a flesh in the dreams of cities uh yahweh may have offered up redemption through jesus but the demiurgical whim that sparked all of creation did so through the architecture of the physical universe yep these yeah. seem like fun, stable people that I'd love spending time time with. It, I mean, they're uh, they're in perfect company because their interests seem to align, and they've been childhood friends. So they 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 were children together. They went to uh, uh, college together, art school together, and and are now working together, which seems like an awful long time to spend <laughs> with one person, but that's just me. Yeah, I don't, um, I'm not in the position to go like, yeah, that's, isn't that the thing that happens uh, if you're in a small town, or I guess even a big city, but you didn't go anywhere. I can see how that might pan out. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I've moved every like three or four years, so that that's like anathema to me to think of being somewhere so long that you grew up with other people and from childhood to adulthood. It's like, okay, right? That's weird, <laughs> but I think that that's just me. <laughs> yeah. So they they kind of puts around for a bit and then finally locate the um, the warehouse. They're Going to, it just looks like a derelict warehouse from the outside. Uh, they sneak in, and that's when things start to take a turn for the terrible. Uh, it, it, it doesn't get terrible until later. It certainly uh, takes a turn for the weird when they get in. I think uh, one of the uh, more interesting aspects is that they mentioned that... Um, the warehouse is is like it, it is in disrepair and it's covered with graffiti and it's grimy but the only the entrance that they use to to get in i believe it's like one of those sliding pull-up doors like at a uh like the dock that you yeah it's expect, like a service door um is the only part of the warehouse that isn't covered in graffiti 
Um, and as soon as that note was made, uh, I, my mind immediately went to, oh, I bet that service store didn't exist before then. Like, it feels like because with the thesis of uh, cities and buildings and so on are, are living things, living organisms, like the building literally just spread, like created this aperture into itself. Uh, and because of that, it's just new and pristine and in perfect order. Yeah. I mean, the the, the the description of it, like the interior was even hotter and smelled like an abandoned abattoir, ripe with traces of slaughter. That's, yeah, that's not a great <laughs> that's true. thing to step into and smell a moldering slaughterhouse that, smell. That's a that's a fair point. I had I had forgotten about the fact that it, that it smelled like like a a, 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 a charnel house <laughs> when they entered in. So yeah, well, don't worry because the odor of dried offal was masked by a musky incense reminiscent of mass. They found a, a massive metal sliding door that reached the ceiling, uh, with handles strapped through with thick chains, and whole fist-sized holes plugged up with leathery material leathery material um and they can hear or feel rather um the presence of many like on the other side of the 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 doors it's it's there's a small pulse and vibration of as if people were talking yes but but they can't hear it um mm. No, it's, it's, it's too, only too the thick. sensation of the vibe, the the tactile sensation of of um, sound striking a surface. Yeah, and they said they just they find a um an, a window high up that they can uh, potentially get to, or I don't know, get to lintel actually, um, and they think that if they get up there, they can. Uh, crawl through the crawl to the window and, and get a peek in with their cameras they brought a bunch of film equipment but it's too heavy um and the space too small that they're trying to get to to like take more than just their the handheld camera with them yeah um yes and so they try to uh they move some pallets to get there and then discover a uh a, a hole in the wall <laughs> a tunnel in the wall that they decide to crawl through and uh if anyone's played uh Silent Hill 4 I once again I'm always going to I'm always going to reference other pieces of media that I'm familiar with you know better than to crawl through apertures that don't that shouldn't be there um uh to get to some place that uh someplace else cuz it always ends poorly yeah, so they they crawl in, and it's it's not um, they have to go one at a time or one in front of the other because it's, it's too narrow. Mm. But they can now hear, uh, like singing, um, more more aud audible rather than just tactile through the the surface, and then they find uh, themselves looking down on a um. Like a mass. It's a bunch of people in uh, raincoats wearing plastic bags on their heads. That's not yes. disturbing. Yep. 
Um, yes, and the weird uh, the indication that it always that that the description gave me was um, I, I, I'm sorry the uh, the the sense that the description uh, gave was that they were the trash bags didn't have holes in them. No, it's like, just like pulled down like across their face. Yeah. It, it, it was a weird like it's describing it and I'm getting the feeling kind of of oh, oh, um little nightmares. Yes. The name. So the main character is wearing like a a rain slicker but the hood is so voluminous it's like just shadow inside. It feels mm. kind of like that, but then you get that that weird feeling of when, mostly in horror films, where someone's pulled a, a sheet of plastic over someone's face, or if they're pressed up against something that's probably like it's stretchy, mm-hmm. like faces in a wall, like that kind of thing, where it still allows you to see a semblance of what could be a human face. Yeah, like um I think I think that that kind of effect was used a lot um uh in Jacob's Ladder. Yeah. Um like the way the faces were distorted there even without the the sped up twitch effect. Mm-hmm. Um there's still an aspect of like it it's a human face but it it's all seems to be like like it like a layer of skin stretched over a human face. Yeah, and this is um, some of the theme of this feels closer to the previous story with the insect um, cult. Yes, but this is like worse. I don't. Um, yeah, the that one deals with like the universe is just an uncaring insect intelligence hive mind thing. Um, mm-hmm. that's its own kind of fear this this was worse to me like how this starts to to go yeah i i i mean there's there's like a thesis statement um because uh i guess it's worth mentioning that this this uh this congregation of uh rain slickered bag head head people um, there is like a a film playing, like being projected, like from an old timey projector, and one of the uh, one of the members is reading from a book, um, uh, which we later discover is uh, Clara's dream journal, and uh, I believe the let's see, the quote is the secret of alchemy is this. There is a way of manipulating manner, matter and energy so as to produce what modern scientists call a field of force. The field acts on the observer and puts him in a privileged position vis-a-vis, uh, uh, yes, vis-a-vis the universe. From this position, he has access to realities which are ordinarily hidden from us by time and space, matter and energy. This is what we call the great work. Yeah, and there's a um in the previous page there there you're hearing uh 
more the narrative of the film. It says, not only has this biological change been conclusively shown, the evidence also suggests that the bigger the city, the greater the risk for schizophrenia. The demiurge that constructed this architectural universe is intentionally altering the species to become conduits for dreams. That's yes. probably the most significant bit of all. Each of these um, paragraphs uh, are are all equally like they're they're very very specifically, um, and the film itself is showing. Uh, Carla as a child, like yes, it's bits of her, it's snippets of her life. Uh, these, these are the narrations from her dream journal, and I think also, um, it seems to be that's part of her current work mm-hmm. that, that she's doing too. Um, so it's it starts to. It's weighing on her while she re- it takes her time to realize like what's going on, right? Because it's just so bizarre that she has to like process it. Um, but it turns out that her 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 best friend is part and parcel of this, uh, and is like tr- preventing her from leaving and trying to push mm-hmm. her out into the um the. It's not really a ceremony. It's kind of a ceremony. Push her out to all the the, the mass of um, the congregation, rather. Yes, um, because there's also something in uh, in the uh, in in the corner of the congregation hall. Um, it it should be noted that that this space is is that that this congregation is inhabiting is uh, uh, architecturally impossible. Um, there are walkways that seemingly go nowhere, hanging chains, ladders leading to nowhere uh, a, a, in a space that is entirely too big to be housed within uh, the confines of this warehouse from the way it was described um, from the outside. Uh, yeah. And um, from from a corner descends uh, a, a, an entity <laughs> uh, seemingly made of of refuse and architecture. Yeah, it's um, it's it's vibrating and fracturing and it's wobbling. Yes, because it's like its head is made out of trash bags that seem like full of liquids and it has like limbs that are made out of glass that fractures when it moves. It's um, a deeply unpleasant uh, sounding entity. Um, and and Carla as the great work uh, is 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 to be offered to it. Yeah, yeah. It's like she is. I think both the great work and the architect. Mm-hmm. So this is all mm, of her creation. She kind of is this demiurge force, but mm-hmm. it's it. It's not in a way that it's all, um, it's not rational and it's not um, conscious. 
Yes. Like, she's created it in her dreams. But that doesn't make it any less real. Um, or at least the, the, the power of that is such that it, it's transcended um, that sphere and bled out into reality. Or she's been pulled into... The, it, 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 you can, like... I think there's quite a bit of room for interpretation. Um, yes. I, I feel that it's a case of the former where these things were created in like the dreams of her youth. And as she grew and studied th- those things just became like stronger mm-hmm. and it's, it's spread out. Her, her best friend had been in contact with her all these years and just through that association became part and parcel of like these dreams, this sort of other universe. And it's, um, it's sort of like a bubble within the bubble of the, the world of reality. But I think that that it's given enough power that it's able to now just kind of like expand further and further out. Yeah, the so the way I interpreted the the story um was that that Carla had been created for this purpose cuz when she speaks about um the the film of her playing, she notes that her her limbs are elongated and weird, her head is shaped oddly um uh, she mentions that it appears that there had to have been a, a, a jump cut edited because one mo- moment she's standing at the foot of the bed and then instantaneously she's uh, on standing on the bed um, and that she is like a, a radio tower. Like the end game is that she is projecting these these unseen realities out that that she's capable of observing um at the same time uh kind of a uh from beyond situation yeah I th- and it feels like she's the machine like she's the 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 conduit and the amplifier of it yes um because once she once she exits the the warehouse She's in uh, an alien landscape that she had mentioned in one of her dreams um, before the uh, cult members uh, seize her and and drag her back in. Yeah, and uh, they they she went outside. They dragged her back in, and they're like handing her off. Um, yes. into the heart of this church. Uh, I'll just read that segment. Uh, they passed me down the long hallway into the heart of the Alexei church where that giant ragged shadow of the color of waste clogging the drains leading to the sewers waited with outstretched gleaming arms. Its plastic bag gaze lingered like an old familiar face floating in all the world's gutters in every entrance anyone had ever forgotten to close. Uh, Slatsy likes that particular imagery, the image of a face embedded or in something else where it should not be. Yes. That that appears um, many times. 
Uh, especially in this story. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be a running theme throughout the book. It already has been with, uh, I forget the story, with the the moldering wall that had the the oil face. Um, the oil face, the, the um, yeah, and then the, the third one, uh, that's the the one where we have the corporate uh oh, yes. wage slave and his his daughter's face um in those weird apertures and then floating through the river of slime sewage, sewage. Yeah. um the city began to sing my ears rang with the hymn of celestial horns and i lost the words to articulate what i'd once been and what i'd become is the end of this yes so yeah they're her her final purpose it's it's ambiguous um but it's something where she's kind of put into the uh a sacrificial slash herald position mhm yes to like usher um, in, usher in this return like this this resurrection of the ghost of the world yes um once again uh it's very very thematically similar to prince of darkness yeah yeah and and that that deals we really need to go take we'll just do like the the finish up the carpenter um Oh, the Apocalypse Trilogy? Apocalypse Trilogy, yeah. We've already done bits of it, as we keep saying. <laughs> it's always just a matter of time trying to fit it in. But yes, Prince of Darkness um, is on... The, well, no, I think that's the last one. Yeah, because yeah, we've done the thing, the thing and, and um, in the in Mouth the of Madness. Mm -hmm. Alright, Prince of Darkness, come on down. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I I enjoyed that one, and mm -hmm. it's um it it led it to a place where I'm trying to figure out like how because the the stories are they're thematically similar, but they're not. It's not running like a tail through line, right? You know, they're they're just they're disparate parts in terrible worlds like i don't feel like any of these really can like there's too much going on to say that these are all in their in, in the same earth oh the yeah same absolutely. universe because each of yeah. them are like extinction notes yeah well i i would argue the the second one is 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 definitely a more personal uh yeah but but yeah, the 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 first and the third are absolutely like end of end of humanity like uh, precursor event stories. Yeah, I mean they're each strong enough that it's like, yeah. but yeah, all can't be happening at the same time. It's right. It's too overwhelming. Even though each of yes. them, because each of them is sufficient enough to like do the job. Right. <laughs> Yeah, so um, that brings us to the the second tale, um, making snakes. I 
How did you feel about this one? I think it's strong on its own on its on its own merits, but it's the weakest entry of the three. I don't know. I I, I I enjoyed what it was doing, so I think just by virtue of it's it's a little briefer. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's it's more self-contained. I don't know. The other ones aren't. They're self-contained too. Like each of them is like a little vignette of yes. ho- of horrible. This just it's hard to. Stick. We'll we'll get there. I think as we talk about it. I I don't. I think it's a case of I appreciated it, what it was doing, but it's doing maybe too much. I uh, well for me I I found that because this was kind of like a a a personal reckoning story um because the stakes are ultimately lower like once again this isn't this isn't an end of humanity event like the other two the other two stories uh seem to indicate this is like personal trauma personal sadness um and and like some and like the weird horror element of like the scary man entity that one encountered in their youth uh, it's it's like i said i think this because the stakes are seemingly lower in this one that it it can feel a little underwhelming compared to the other two yeah, and I I really didn't f- I didn't feel that it was like underwhelming. Um No, not at all. It's it's just the way it's fr- so I think because it's dealing with uh mo- again multiple personal tragedies like all rolled up in for one person. Mhm. Uh any of them individually could have been like enough for a story so this this making snakes is about an um an elderly uh, actress she's past the prime of her acting days still getting roles but like nowhere near like what she was getting uh and that that loss um has set in and is its own troublesome thing um because of other circumstances she's not in the headspace to like embrace that um kind of retirement Mm -hmm. or or understand like oh kind of willing to let it all go or or rather she's kind of willing she's willing to let it go because she's not in a space to embrace that um graceful decline yes and Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say so the 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 opening paragraph kind of calls um calls sanity into question almost immediately. Uh Katerin was reluctant to uh talk to Alina about the powdery man. It happened so long ago and she wasn't sure she could trust her sister anymore. Her face had started to move around on the skull and her mouth no longer matched her words. Like, that's a very evocative first sentence for this story. 
Yeah, and it it kind of goes on to uh, it's not only Katerin um that's doubting her like sanity, but also Alina who seems to be slipping into like dotage. Mm-hmm. But it's you, you you have to figure you have to decide, I guess, if that's her her own headspace or if we're getting an, an, another case of like an unreliable narrator who's aged and is dealing with several different issues um, and putting that on that like onus, I guess, on her sister. Mm hmm. Because that, it seems to be a holdover from the previous story where we're not able to fully, in the beginning, um, rely on Carla's uh, interpretation of events. Because she's admitting that she's seeing things that probably aren't there. Right. So this feels like Katerin is is seeing things that she's very aware uh, are there. Like, there's no doubt in her mind that there's things have gone wrong, and they've been going wrong for a very long time since her childhood. Yes. A aside um, aside from the successes and other things in her life, uh, she's attributing those, um, her, her, her motherhood, her acting career, all of those things felt... Um, earned like she she did the things and that put her in a specific place but they were done in such a way that they became like a downfall like those are her success was only to build her up to such a height that the thing that's been plaguing her since childhood could take delight in her fall yeah that that's that i could yeah i could buy that um I did want to point out the the way that this story is structured because it's it's at least for me it was kind of a rough read because um it's seemingly uh it was uh seemingly jumping around time and space really it's, frequently. It's a disjointed narrative so you're getting a um it's kind of giving you grief slash dementia maybe trying to to put that in a way that the reader can like get into that headspace but it yes. still leaves you confused as is the narrator i i was uh i so i i actually kind of started to visualize these as as like transition like visually in my head as as transitions where it's just the older Catherine um experiencing like these are clearly at least from her point of view memories that that she is is seemingly walking to uh, like going back and forth through like you said dementia uh so on uh so it was easier to to like visualize the flow of the story for me by imagining that she's kind of wander wandering through this like horrible nightmare of like her past and past regrets, past failures. It, um, 
an easy way, like when I was reading this, what I was thinking of uh, was the um, the last TV show. Um, man, I I don't know why the the names of things just don't stick in my forebrain pan these days, but um, her situation is similar to Hannah who as a ghost was like stuck in a loop but not um stuck in a loop in in uh place but not in time mm-hmm. like can't go outside that realm but just in any can be at any one of those points along that timeline uh, right and it's just going to keep bouncing around. This isn't a one-to-one to that, but that the imagery of that where the unsurety of, like, trying to deal with the situation and then, like, thinking you're somewhere else for just a minute. Mm-hmm. Or really, it's just, like, someone in, in their old age um, not uh, preferring to dwell in a time that, for her, you, doesn't, you don't get that, like, hey, I'm dwelling in the past that was more pleasant than right now. But really, it's, like things that were bothering her and that she kind of let fall to the wayside in favor of um, her successes and what she was doing. Uh, Because those things are now gone, the only thing she has left to rely on are like the bad moments. Right. That's all all that she has left because there's, there's nothing uh, to keep her together. So um, not only her roles fell apart, not because of not just because of her age um uh, as an as an elderly actress but more importantly because of her mental health her um her daughter uh accidentally quotes maybe um overdosed on some medications of hers yes like had eaten them uh yeah had eaten them like candy um but was old enough to know that those things weren't candy. So it's very, like, she's blaming herself because her medicine was around that her daughter could get a hold of, like, sleeping pills. Right. Um, uh, but at the same time, trying to figure out, like, not even why her daughter did that, because that's not, like, an issue that she's concerned with. Um, the blame she's just points wholly on herself. Uh with ten tangentially going like something was wrong with my daughter that I also didn't like recognize. Right. Because my daughter's old enough to know that those, those things that she ate weren't just candy. Um, like that what she was doing was on purpose. So why did she like, what had I missed to, um, prevent that? Right. And that yeah. sent her into spirals of depression and other kind of things that made it so she couldn't go back to acting. Yes. Aside from also losing her daughter. Like, like that's a, there's a lot going on there. Yes, we haven't even gotten to the powdery man. Uh, <laughs> nope. <laughs> yet. Or her sister that's also kind of like her agent. It's real weird. Yeah. Like her sister's um, try, like, has been involved in her successes and has continued to try to get her um, acting jobs. Uh, and it's just trying to keep them like afloat, but they're they're both having sort of retired to their old childhood home. I think is where they're at because it's yeah 
<laughs> it doesn't seem like that's really the case, but that's what we're lead, led to believe um, due to the narr- narrative. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, there's, there's just a little bit of whatever happened to baby Jane vibe going through all of this. Um, uh, I guess we should talk about the powdery man, even though he, I, even though I, I'm really having a rough time parsing out what, whether or not a, he's real, which, you know, once again, we were dealing with the possible, unreliable narrator and um what what the actual what his actual threat is given the the way that these stories are written and kind of the themes going on i'm inclined to to put my belief in that anything weird that shows up is is in fact there yeah like you, yeah, you can read fair. into them and kind of pick things apart and go like that's maybe a symbolism for this other thing, but it's just as valid to go that yes, there is a and there is in fact a powdery man um, who is murdering little children and secreting them in the junkyard by her house. Yes, but yes, by yeah, because it's it's a it's a decaying of. Um, there's a lot of social commentary, like in all of these stories. Um, in particular, it it'll hit in the 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 final entry we're going to cover, but um, in this one, it's looking at uh the um the 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 degradation and collapse of like rural America. Mm-hmm. Like they're in the countryside in the house, but that the parts that would have been pastoral lands have been like just neglected and there's no one to upkeep places or prevent them from becoming like landfills. Yeah. Like there's a, it's not particularly landfills, it's just like a junk. It's like, you know, you drive by, um, yeah, I say, you know, uh, (laughs) (laughs) there's places you're driving and then they're just going to be like a, there's a, a, one normal house and the next yard over is just a, a junkyard. Yes. Yeah. Is what this the feels junk like. field. Yeah. <clears throat> like it's not a junkyard. It's not a place specifically set aside for refuse. Stuff it's just, just gets dropped that... off there. Right. Yeah. And there's no, there's no one to like steward the land or, or keep that from becoming a thing. Or you're driving by on the highway and see just like rusted out, VW Beetle on the side of the road and go like, why didn't someone take that away? It's been there for a long time. It's just that kind of feel where it's just that blight. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird, like I, I can visualize this because I've seen it. Like you see it (laughs) and you kind of just ignore it because again, it seems like someone should be fixing that. (laughs) <laughs> but you're never right. in a position to go like I'm just driving through the this isn't even my area I don't have a tow truck to go pick that stuff up it's it, you know it's a weird like passing of the buck I guess mm-hmm. but if everyone's doing mm-hmm. it then then like yeah no one's going to fix it right right yeah why should I take on this responsibility of maintaining it if everybody else is just going to continue to dump in 
here? What's the point yeah. of Well, where am I going to put it? I'm just moving right. it from point A to point B. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to stick it in this other field that doesn't have anything in it yet. You know, so uh, I think that there's something to be said for, like, the criticism uh, that's very valid. Uh, and that it's just kind of also showing that decay, like something that was once... Um, prominent pastoral is a you know is a family land um you can extend that as a metaphor and then it's just over time the the upkeep the cost of the upkeep was too much and it just fell to ruin or uh you it's the things that you have and your successes are kind of being poo-pooed on by other people um and it's it's just like besmirching anything that you may have once had that was nice so i think it works on like a bunch of different levels yeah it does <laughs> anyway powdery man <laughs> so it's this weird bald guy that i kept i was imagining um the the guys from dark city oh yes yes bald guys in trench um, coats i i imagined it as uh as uh flip from uh little nemo adventures in slumberland mm. except without like the clown the colorful clown makeup literally just white uh, like stage makeup powder and no like grease paint <laughs> over it. Yeah, I, I think a big other big draw was the uh Reverend from Poltergeist 2. Oh yes. I yes, felt yes, big yes. energy of that when he took off yeah. his hat, his bowler hat or whatever, and it was just like gross powder head. And he has long long fingers that like become more needle like they don't they don't end like fingers should end right very i don't know keratinous it's just like the nails became the finger it's it's the description's strange so you just basically don't want his fingers near you Mm -hmm. um he 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 also sounds like a (laughs) want to make snakes yeah he also sounds like a 13 year old boy uh for or, or a prepubescent boy. Yeah. So, so technically, this is just Doctor Doom from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just Christopher Lloyd. Um, Wanna make snakes, Eddie? Yeah, exactly. He's smoking a cigar. He can't. He doesn't walk particularly well. Uh, and ugh, yeah, yeah. He walks it's, like his legs are prosthetics or something. Yep. Or he has a snake body and doesn't have real people legs. I don't. It's <laughs> it's disturbing. Um, however, it is. But uh, he's he's shown up over the years, um, and just she'll see him by her bed or just in random places and he just only ever says want to make and it never elaborates what making snakes is and she says she doesn't know and she doesn't really ever want to want to yeah yeah and uh, yeah alina is so she's she's talking to katrin and again katrin's usually lost in her memories and then like 
gets pulled back into the current, maybe current moment um, by her sister. And here, here's mm-hmm. a line. I think our house is haunted, Alina raised an eyebrow conspiratorially. She stirred her black coffee until the liquid spiraled on its own. Isn't that delightful? Uh, and it's because she's been hearing weird noises and um, uh, Katrin is like knows she's like knows it's the the pale the, the powdery man and mm-hmm. and other thing there's there's little girls running around with like the feeling of the little girls from nightmare on elm street that yes. sing the one two freddy's coming for you song and they are potentially the ghosts of little children that the powdery man killed but at the same time maybe they're the snakes that's been made they they have like spiny needle growths coming out of their backs and legs and and um, they're and and they're barefoot and their feet are are like torn and bloody from running unprotected through like through bram yeah there's like brambles and sharp stones and um i wonder if some of her like if she had had um Catherine had, had like treatments where she was in, injected with something like sedatives mm-hmm. um, and has superimposed that on these little girls who also symbolize maybe her daughter. It, I, because there's not a lot to like grab onto other than she, at one point um, when she was playing around in the junkyard or because it wasn't a junkyard yet it was just like a couple pieces of things tossed on the, on the land near where she used to have her special hiding playground spot mm-hmm. um and she found uh um a toilet it's she found something some discarded it, 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 thing it was it was yeah. a toilet turned a over on side with a girl's head in it yes like severed head Yes. So, so uh that's traumatic for anybody. And then you follow that up with Powdery Man showing up like right afterwards going wanna make snakes. Um and those things informed like the rest of her entire life as as it would. Uh and has now like come to back to roost in her, her older age when she has like nothing left. Mm-hmm. And now she's, like, hearing the Powdery Man again. Um, And worse, her sister is hearing it and, like, not... Has no context or or memory the faculty to, like, understand that there's danger. Mm -hmm. And she hears... There's the girls playing around outside and there's people knocking on the door. uh, And her sister just goes to, like, disarmedly, like, oh, it's... This must be a neighbor, or someone's coming to visit, and goes to go open the door. But you know, it's the powdery man. It's a it's yes. a weird space because, um, Catherine seems in command of her faculties for the most part, but she's so beaten down that she can't even be bothered to like explain what's going on to her sister because she's in doubt of her sister. I think is what's going on. Also, right. Like she can't, she doesn't know what to trust herself or things outside of herself, um, and so all she can kind of do is sit and watch everything burn down, because mm-hmm. maybe it might not be happening, right? 
Like, it's all a dream. It's just a dream. Like, but she's not in a denial state. Yeah, no, she's, 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 she's more yeah, just like wary, wary just and then passive. Yeah. It's a weird place to be. I think that that sits in that realm of, um, uh, there's some kind of PTSD, um, symptoms, but it's also when you're looking at, uh, I guess really any survivor of, of traumatic situations, uh, that her own age, like there's, there's the sense of she has her own agency. Um, but it, it reached a point to where like she's lost everything. So it does it even matter really. So she's yeah. kind of put herself into that passive state. Well, like, he's like, I guess if there's the powdery man, he'll just kill us or whatever. We don't know, but my sister could be a monster. Maybe she's the powder. So it's a lot of just doubt. There's, yeah. there's so much doubt that it's like paralyzing. Because she can't be sure of any one thing anymore. So what what's she supposed to do? Just kind <laughs> right. of have to sit and go, well, when it happens, it happens. Maybe don't open that door, but I can't really be bothered to tell you not to. Yeah, it's... 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 Depressing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not... Um, None of these are lighthearted ever. Um, how, uh, However, because of the many things it's dealing with... uh it it's just as interesting mm-hmm. like i felt that this of the stories may have been the more interesting one yes like, like i had i had more um i had to spend more time thinking about this as i was reading it versus the others where they kind of just they are what they are the first one's tough um the last one there's no question it just like it tells you what's happening yes <laughs> So this one, you have to kind of dig into it a little bit more. Um, this is... Uh, uh, um, in in contrast to Katrin as a sort of passive figure in this narrative, a passive narrator, uh, you have to be an active reader. Like, you can't, like, let this... It's hard to, like, let this wash you over because there's so much things going on that are just kind of wrong that um, you would feel bad if you were just letting it go by. It kind of puts you in her shoes, like, really well. Yeah. Because, yeah, because she's... She, like, her... um, She's not... uh, Because it's told from her perspective... But she's not using her agency. Once again, like you said, she's just a, a, a passive uh, player in, in this story, which is exactly what the reader is. It, yeah, it's a resignation to the end. Uh, and that's hard to like see, but you can understand why. Because yeah. it's, just, it's just too much. It, yeah, it's, it's a lifetime of compounded like trauma and tragedy. Yeah, the highs were real high, but the lows were really low. Like yeah. she didn't, she didn't live like a, a mediocre medium life. 
She was living it up, but it the fall was really far. And that I think yep. because that that makes her she's not like terribly relatable. No, um, but she's understandable, which I think is more important. Yeah, like I I, I, I couldn't put myself in her shoes specifically, but I could see why she's the way she is in this moment. Mm-hmm. Like, like we don't need every little moment leading through her life to like see how it came to this. You can go like, well, we get these little snippets, and yep, it started out bad, and it and it's ending bad. Does the middle like really matter? <laughs> not You're not right. as much. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is also terrible. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> you don't ever want to go, did my life really matter in the middle? Like the whole, the big chunk of it? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, okay. Thanks. Thanks, uh, Mr. Slatsky. Good on you. Yeah, um, that brings us to the final of the three tales. The ocean is eating our graves. This was my favorite title. Uh, yes. It's it's so very evocative. Uh, and it ends up being kind of quite literal uh, in, in multiple senses of the word. Yep. So I will... I will leave the floor to you um for the uh, some bits of this one all right uh this concerns uh mainly excuse me this mainly concerns uh levi and marie uh two siblings who discover a uh (laughs) malformed uh corpse uh, on the shore as seven-year-olds um there is an investigation. Uh, uh, they are uh, 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 Native American uh, on a, uh, I believe they are on a reservation. Yeah, they're they're uh, the, they're on the reservation. They uh, the death is uh, attributed to uh, uh, like alcoholism uh in the native american population uh and of course that comes from the authorities outside uh it's made very clear that um that these authorities don't really care about anything that happens on the na- on the reservation uh to the native americans uh and uh the village elders uh are uh, the um the reservation elders uh bury the child and years later i believe levi is was he is he a archaeologist anthropologist archaeologist i believe uh who has suffered from nightmares of uh tsunamis uh for his uh entire life i believe uh directly after discovering the dead child yes uh and um marie do you remember what uh marie is because they're roughly in the same sphere of of study i believe right uh yeah she she is the tribal historic preservation officer. Thank you. Um, 
Yes. Uh, and uh, they are investigating a blood mound, which, uh, despite its name, uh, is not made of blood, but uh, clay that is like clay and sediment that is roughly the color of blood. Uh, and I believe these were used as uh, as uh, like ceremonial ceremonial burial mounds. Yeah, so the the shape of it is um, in what would be a traditional um, burial mound, but the contents of it are not. No, they're like, there are bone and sediment fragments that shouldn't exist because they are from, like, the bottom of the ocean. They're from uh, seven seven miles down, I think, is the... the, the it's not just the carbon dating, but like the location of like that type of thing, uh, right? Is is from like the bottom of the ocean. Yes. Um. Yeah. Uh. And it's it's it it's it's a thing. Uh. It's a uh. It's a. It looks. It's a mound that is very familiar culturally, containing things that should not be there. Um. And it. Uh, is making uh, at least makes Levi uneasy. He he touches it with his hand, and he has to resist like immediately wiping his hands completely and utterly clean uh, of it. Um, and then there's there's talk of like anthropological theft uh from one of the one of the doctors working on excavating the mound yeah there's dr alex hardy um who is i guess he's in charge of the archaeological dig on the mound or the excavation yes and, and is he was um uh Levi and um, Marie's uh, one of their professors, like in the university. Yes, and 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 is not is not a, a Native American. Uh, and Levi resents him. Feels like he appropriates uh, Native American culture, uh, and that uh, he essentially has 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 stolen the work uh, uh, that. Uh, Native American anthropologists have put, like he, he and Marie have put in to um, to their their culture. Like it is, he 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 literally uh, feels like he uh, that there's a a disgusting level of uh, cultural appropriation at work here. It's yeah, it's it's the appropriation. It's the um, that white savior complex where the um he he feels that um this may not may or may not be the case but he feels that the um dr alex hardy uh um is using his position um to to like say that like yes i'm the professor and i'm like more suited and better at all of this than anyone else could be so i'll be in charge of things that are on like your land where mm -hmm. um both uh 
Levi and Marie are have studied, they are accredited in their field, and they're in a position to to do the cultural work and from a, a from a place of like it's it's from their culture, so they're more suited to actually do this. They don't need an outsider to come in um and take over or take their things. Right. Because that's already been done, and look what happened. Like exactly, yeah. There's there's very justified um, resentment, um, and it's it's something that has charted Levi's um, path and and put him in a position to where um, he's gone out, got the education, gone back to the reservation, and uh, is able to do. Um, good things for the for the tribe yes does not um, need to rely on the white man you know they can they can do it themselves they'll damn well do it themselves right yeah. um although uh he does note that uh the res uh i'm going to assume that's short for reservation yes um uh is 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 in decline like very obvious like awful decline abandoned houses garbage everywhere um it's, yeah it's it's and it, en- it's endemic things um that are born through outside factors as well um because of policies that uh kind of take away things um and agency even within sovereign uh like native lands yeah Exactly. So there's there's internal cultural issues, but those are compounded by external forces that continue to kind of leech away um, and make life difficult uh, for for residents of the reservation. Um, I I can't help but feel like this is because um, this is is obvious. Uh, well, we'll we'll get there, but uh, not to not to belabor the point this is very much a a lovecraft inspired story and it also feels like it's it's a a challenge to lovecraft because it features it features it's very much the it's very much the shadow over in's mouth but it it and it features a lot of the like decay and rot that uh that Lovecraft spoke of in 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 um Shadow Over Innsmouth, but it's not uh where Lovecraft attributed it to like the decadence of these native people and their strange ways and their foreign gods. This this one is painted as no, this is this is this is the this is white people's fault like the the decay the rot uh it's it's not it's not the natives that you malign but it it is policies and like you said uh, outside influences that have created this this um situation well yeah it's it's um colonial politics and behaviors that um shaped pretty much to the entirety of the world as it is today um to the malign of any 
uh, and all uh, native populations. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, that's what I was saying. There's like, there's scathing, um, and wholly justified, um, social criticism and it's like, mm-hmm. or I guess socioeconomic. There's a lot going on with this, but it it is that feeling where, um, Lovecraft or other, uh, weird, uh, tale authors had a habit, um, poorly so of othering, uh, societies or using that framing as like, oh, it's the Martians, but really, you know, you're, you're, you're putting minority groups and like completely othering them and saying that whatever zaniness happened is because it's been brought upon by their strange customs and cultural things. And yes. this is the other it's kind of the other side of that coin. It's going yeah, like exactly. Here's our we have our own customs and our own things, and they're 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 no less valid, and they're what we do. Um, but there's been a a loss and a perversion of them by other people coming in and wrecking our stuff. Yeah, and, t- and taking it. Yes, you're, t- you're taking our stuff for your own benefits, and it's to our loss. Like you're stealing, you're stealing our culture, you're stealing our heritage, you're stealing the land. You're, it's all of it. It's yeah. you know all of these problems stem back to uh, that, and they didn't go away. Like you're, you're, you know, damn it, you're still doing it, right? And you didn't um, learn, so let's just wipe it all away. Let's yeah. Can, let's can we do a clean slate? Let's just start from. We'll, we'll level the playing field as level as you're ever going to make it. I I will. I do think that it's interesting that uh, because Marie is Levi's sister and she knows how he is, she plays on that. Um, I won't even say to her own benefit because you know she she kind of. Uh, vanishes from the story uh basically halfway through but she she tells levi that she suspects that uh dr uh what's his name what's the hardy yes dr hardy had been seen stealing bones from from the burial mound and like spiriting them off knowing that levi would be so incensed by this that he would go to confront him however that was just a ploy because it in fact wasn't dr hardy but marie herself because um marie had discovered um uh, a fish man (laughs) a fish lady actually the corpse of a fish lady in the blood mound uh, yeah, and that. she and she was um, absconding with all of the. Uh, is that, is that, I still don't think that that's the right. What she's doing, if that if the mound is on the native land, and she's taking the stuff and putting it in storage. Uh, Yes, she's taking archaeological things, but again, they're they're doing that weird like 
science found it, so science is going to keep it kind of right thing, right. which is like... And it's, it's also... It, it's, it's the whole, it belongs in a museum. It's like, but no, does it? Right. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, yes, as as a member of that the scientific community and that organization, she's technically stealing the fines but it's not their property um it's a weird like she's because we know why she's doing it which is not uh so yes um if it's on native land and she's just moving it from point a to point b and keeping it from being taken to a museum right so that in of itself is like okay i get it um but that's kind of like not what she's doing. No, she's she's deliberately she's, trying she's, she's, to hide she's like, the fact. She's she's like resurrecting an old one instead. That's what's that's what's actually happening. So yes, the thing she's doing is bad. Um, right. But surface level, uh, the thing she's doing is arguably better than like the uh, Doctor Hardy taking the stuff i mean or, or, or the university or whatever i mean that's debatable because she did like summon uh an an a great old one no no i mean like so he, set, set that oh, aside and go like okay if <laughs> if, if she's just taking these things and and store storing them Yes. Like they are yes. in they are in archaeological storage boxes. She's not they're not like in part of ritual. She's doing that somewhere else. Uh right. Um aside from framing someone else for the the theft of the that was always weird, like the, the theft of the stuff. They don't own it. Like, that's <laughs> that's such a weird uh pull every single time. It's like, oh, we found these things and now we're gonna take them to the museum in another country. Away from where they belong, I don't. That's always been troublesome. Um, I think the the morality of it. I don't know where you have ethics. There's there's things going on where I can appreciate the um, the maintenance and uh, protection of historical like artifacts and relics in order to study them. But when they've been so, if they're on loan to a museum. From another mm-hmm. place, from the origin, that's fine. But it doesn't always feel like that's the case. And particularly when it's like in a British museum who took a lot of things from a lot of people and at the yep. at, at the cost of like lives. So the yeah. the whole the whole thing is it's <laughs> none of that's great. Um but it's just weird seeing uh um, Alex, no Levi. I'm sorry, Levi getting yes. upset at his sister, like, oh, she's the one that stole it, but she didn't steal it. She just like kept it from the guy that you thought was stealing it. <laughs> Aside right. from bl- blaming him, so yeah, there's there's some stuff going on. That's that's not a that's like a very oh, it's not sh- cut and dry at all. Not it's... at all. Like I yeah. don't even know where you would go with that. Um. Other than you are part of an organization, probably kind of have to go by whatever their rules have been set. So, anyway, it boils down to she took the stuff 
Um, she's been in while Levi's been dealt the hand of crippling nightmares. She was like elevated to high priestess and possessed, I guess, by this sea god um, to to raise him up. And the great part is um, the the uh, Doctor Hardy, mm-hmm. who's like, yeah, he's doing the weird like I'm wearing a bunch of. Like putting my hair a specific way and wearing all your turquoise jewelries and and appropriating the culture, um, so that that's the weird line of like, uh, is it appreciation or appropriation? That's hard. It, all all it boils down to is if the if the if the culture is offended by the thing you're doing, then you you have you're doing a bad. Like don't do that. Right. You know, that that's their call to make every time. You don't get to I, go I, like, oh, I'm only appreciating it. There, There is a really interesting moment that kind of like uh, paint, once again, paints Levi in not a great light where um, where the doctor is uh, is um, is like relaying a, a, a oh, I can never uh, pronounce this soup. Sue, 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 uh, like Sue legend and Levi is like, uh, uh, yeah, well, why do you think I care about that? I'm not Sue. And I'm like, that's, that's not the, that's not the point. And you're getting upset about that because you're reading into his, his use of, of this legend as, all Native Americans are the same, but that isn't his point. He's relating a creation myth to you because he's trying to tell you that your sister just summoned a great old one, but you're getting upset at the social, at your perceived social political, like, offense to, to it. And I'm like, that's not a good look either, guy. Like, yeah, I can understand you being upset about the uh how what you see as appropriation but the fact that because you're so primed to be offended uh is doesn't doesn't help matters either yeah it's it's blinding him to uh that extra information that he could be getting so the doctor regardless of his intentions is knowledgeable Yes, like he has his position for a reason. That's not always the case, um, but yes, apart from him maybe being questionable in in how he handles himself, he does know what he's talking about, uh, mm. and that's a tough line to kind of straddle because you can't excuse someone like being uh, doing certain behaviors and they're troublesome and then just going oh yeah well uh don't think don't think about that and just know that they know what they're talking about and that that's happening quite a bit um these days just because of the 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 longer longer reach of social media and um, anyone putting something online or even just records of something having had happened it's it's there like it's there and it's gonna be it's gonna pop up when you probably don't want it to, uh, which has been the case for or many um, high profile uh, people in the public eye, where the 
their works um, may have have been or are enjoyed by a great many people, but the things that they do uh, in their own private time are like inexcusable. So you kind of you you shouldn't divorce the uh, the art from the artist. Like that's that's not always a, you know something art being created, but that idea. Um, the creator from what that they've made. Um, and we've discussed this with like Lovecraft. He's terribly yes, racist person. So you don't, you don't, he doesn't get a pass for that. Like that's something, yes, he's dead. So you can't like go, Hey, don't do that guy. But um, that's not the case with like contemporary uh, creators and, or just people in the public eye. Like they have to own up to the things they've done. Yeah, uh, and they don't get to be celebrated for their successes like continually. Uh, but the line gets a little weird because it depends on like what they did, and if it's not some serious crime, um, people can and do learn and change from their behavior. Now, if that if they just keep doing that thing, then yes, you know, shut them down. Like they don't deserve a platform. Yep. Yeah. Uh, exactly. <laughs> so. So that that being the case, um, knowing like where to like draw the line, he you've studied under him uh, under Dr. Hardy, and you're basing your education off of things that he's taught you. Uh, you can't like just completely negate that because you, um, as in Levi, uh, your your position now um, hinges on the things that you've done with this doctor and, and other things in the past. So right. you're just like, you're, you're justifiably upset about some things, but you're like disregarding your own, like your own onus. Yes. Because if you've listened to him on something, you can't just pick and choose. You have to kind yeah, of take the whole exactly. ball of wax. And yeah, the guy might not be the greatest person in some regards, but he's not hurting anyone, as far as we know. He hasn't stolen anything, and right. um, he's telling you important information. <laughs> and then you just like, no, no, he's racist. I'm not, you know, and he's not saying he's racist, but he's, something's going on to where you're just like shutting him down. And and um, you're, you're basically just using your you're, you're letting your biases like control um, everything else that you're doing, which yeah isn't helpful either, but hard to not do. <laughs> like I I get it. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, it's understandable on all sides. We 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 get why everyone's doing everything aside from the sister who is dooming the entire world, but she was hypnotized or something i don't know <laughs> she's been living with like deep one elder god dreams in her brain since a child so i don't think that she has a choice right and of course she is portrayed as the most normal and reliable i mean honestly this would this would probably work really well as as a as a short film um i think better than than any of the other two of the three that we've we've read today like i could visualize this working as as yeah. a 
visual narrative. I think so, and I think that this has a because of the criticisms it's leveling has a lot to say, um, and a lot to unpack, and can still be like a an enjoyable, uh, terrifying monster tale. Um, yeah, but at the same time, uh, like it's 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 a scathing look at both academia and um colonialism yep like it's a necessary like this is probably my favorite story so far yes Be- because it's it's so poignant um and it also goes off the rails on like let's destroy the world with giant yeah tentacle beast i i guess we should we should we should get to the part where yeah. Where the great old one is summoned, and it's a giant albino tapeworm. Who's but, it's, Ed. but it's not. <laughs> I know. <That's... laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Just what is this massive, monolithic, horrific uh, tapeworm-looking entity is is merely a piece of a, a much larger entity that will soon usher in like a massive flood that will you know do a complete reset on the world um yeah i do i want to roll back to one paragraph just so we can give poor levi some credit uh, okay. <laughs> this is this is actually right before um he finds the stuff that his um or no, he I don't think he found the stuff his sister took. I think this is when he's going to go uh look at the storage facility that the doctor was in charge of mm-hmm. to see if he took anything. Right. Which which he didn't. Um but uh this is Le- Levi threw the book back on the shelf cuz um his sister has the same weird book that the doctor had had. Uh, yeah, Levi threw the book back on the shelf. He was being ridiculous. Dr. Alex Hardy was a renowned archaeologist, not a thief, much less a psychopath. He had to think this through rationally, but he also knew he was wasting time pacing his sister's house waiting for a phone call. So he he gives credence to, like, understanding that he is kind of flying off the handle due to... It, there's a lot going on. Like, he's under stress, and his biases are cropping up, and People he's and he was told by his sister. Yeah, so he's getting he's getting information from the most reliable source to him um, about another person who you, normally he would be like, oh yeah, no, this is fine. Like I don't believe that that happened. But then the most believable person tells you that someone is like a, a thief or a murderer. You know, you're gonna like give them you're giving them the benefit of the doubt rather than the other way around. Right. But then he's like, wait. Something's like wrong. Something's going on here. And he, the thing is, he hasn't been. He's been away. He's come back to um, the reservation to to do this dig, right? So I think there's some guilt of that too, because he left to go do some other like work outside, and then he's not. I think he's like not getting the jobs he thought he was going to get. He's been relegated to like a desk job position, and he like mm-hmm. wants to be out doing field work. So he was excited to get called back by his sister to come check out this blood mound um only to find out that his like teacher was potentially stealing it so y- you get like his situation we have to remember to give him uh levi credit that he's like not happy there's, there's right. crap going on personally for him 
um, that's sort of set off um, how he's behaving. So it's, yeah, I understand like why he's treating things certain way or dismissing certain things. It's like, you get it. Um, it's not the correct thing, but we're also privy as the readers to like kind of see the picture before he does. But yes, back onto the giant monster. <laughs> yeah, it's a giant. It's a big giant worm with a tri multi triangular flap head that vomits out uh, filaments that <laughs> pierce the skin, hair like filaments that pierce the skin and suck blood, which uh, one, uh, once again uh, is very reminiscent of another Lovecraft story entitled Horror. Horror at or horror in the museum? I believe it's the horror. It's at horror, me. horror at. I yeah. Now I'm questioning. I th- I thought it was horror <laughs> in the museum, but that's it, fine. We know which one it is. Yes, uh, which uh, has features a creature that has a very uh, an identical feeding pattern. Um, we also have. Um, um, a bunch of uh, deep ones that that yeah, the make poo- their way poo-wee. to the surface. Yes, um, uh, that look like oh man, what are those horrible fish that uh, that have the viper fish? Are those the yeah. deep sea ones with the giant eyes and the protruding needle teeth? teeth? Yeah, yes. Uh, so that's awful. Uh, um, uh, and uh, Levi does the single most sensible thing that he does uh does in this entire story which is run away because he he quickly realizes that this worm is in fact not uh uh, uh an, an individual living creature but is in fact part of a significantly larger creature it's, it's like a hair on the head of some huge thing and this just this tentacle is the size of like a building yes um yeah uh and then he he and then he runs away like he cuts off all communication like becomes a hermit like runs uh runs to like arizona (laughs) he goes to the center of arizona like as far like as far away from the water as you can get that's i mean yeah you could go to like the midwest but that you know you're in a desert that's below sea level or it's at sea level with <laughs> huge way above sea level mountains around it so yeah it's gonna take a lot longer for stuff to like tidal wave over <laughs> um in theory he's vis- yes he's visited by marie in his dreams nightly uh She's telling him about a great tsunami that's gonna wash away everything and uh and and you know set it back to zero and that he should come join her because then everything will be cool for him at least and they could they could uh you know start over fresh help help start things off fresh and like i said it is it is very much uh the shadow a a a a telling retelling reimagining of of the themes within the shadow over Innsmouth. um yeah with, i think i think taken a little further yes yeah 
Oh yes, definitely. Yeah, there isn't there isn't the the inevitable onslaught of the apocalypse, at least in in its immediate immediacy in the shadow over ends mouth. This, yeah, that, this that feels, feels very like, localized. This feels global. Yeah, like yeah, this feels like the end of the world because due to the events presented in this story, the end of the world is inevitable. Yeah, and here's the um. I'll just read the last, the closing bit, because it's, as always, really good. Levi had long known that the planet was forged from strife and ancient thunder and fire, but the depths of rot became clear to him when he was a seven-year-old boy cradling a dead child while his twin sister cried for a loss she had yet to understand. The cogs of his existence are oiled by sorrow. The machine produces nothing but extinction and despair. He wondered whether it was time to tear down the gears of the old and construct something new. Historical occupations and genocide were almost banal in their familiarity. Maybe he should help Marie blot out this world, purge the planet, and reconstruct everything from a pristine slate, enemy of my enemy. All he could do in the meantime was wait for the waters to rise and extinguish the stars. Yeah, the, um, this is really good, and I, I had meant to and didn't get a chance to pull up the Kumugwe, uh, which is... In, in this, the the giant um, tentacled uh, old god, uh, and then the um, Pugui, which are the people-sized um, monstrosities from the ocean. Since those are going to be specific uh, to uh, Native American lore. <laughs> But, uh, yeah. Or I guess here's yes. the, yeah, the last little bit. Um, but this Kumugwe was not the majestic undersea god draped in copper finery the el elders had told Levi and Marie about when they were children. This god bore the striations and scars of age. Necrotic matter dangled from it in tatters as if shedding old skin to birth something new. Its hide was so white Levi could see arteries pulsing fluids beneath. And then uh, dozens of Pugui's the color of clam meat scurried across it, and it was eating them eventually. Yeah, uh, this was the most like visually arresting. Um, I think of the other things, it's it's weird because it's no less foreign of a concept as we found in the first tale, where um, Carla becomes like the antenna for another the birth of another universe mm. um but this it's real weird because it feels like yes this is not any more likely to happen but this feels more realistic i don't know yeah. if that's you know what i mean <laughs> like yes like it's not as it's not as theoretical of a concept of uh, the idea it, of um the dreams being the ghosts of cities and that intersecting reality there's a lot to like chew on with that whereas this is thing rises from the untold depths and destroys mankind that's like a real fear right yes like, Con as, yeah, as considering to like how a little we know about our ocean yes that is <laughs> um uh i would i would consider it uh uh uh, uh an unlikely uh but uh, well, plausible <laughs> yeah not even the creature but just the idea of like tsunami coming in and wiping out your town it's yes. the same it's more of a natural event um as you well know with like wildfires or things like that there's there's 
that visceral reaction to stuff that does in fact happen quite often uh the earthquake couched as some giant thing that is trapped between the tectonic plate i mean like those the cause of it doesn't ever really matter but the thing can still happen right exactly yeah can we we've been um sorry to keep picking on california but like that's been sitting on the edge of like our pop culture consciousness of the san andreas fault like shearing off and it's just like those are contemporary worries uh compounded by now um exacerbated climate change uh look at all of the um ice flows melting and that's changing like not only um coastal lines but that's changing uh there, there's political ramifications of sea lanes now being opened where before it was ice flow but now it's like navigable water so that's changing like border uh security and and, right. and it, it it has a larger effects um aside from having horrendous like ramifications um for everyone down the line yeah so, agreed yeah it, it's like these things are more like it doesn't have to be giant monster that's not that's not like the horror in it it's it's really just the the thing you can't stop um can happen Right. Yes. Um, and I d just want to say that for how long the California shearing off escape from L.A. San Andreas fault nightmare has existed in the zeitgeist, um, people forget that Yellowstone is, is literally exists because of the active volcano, volcanic oh, yeah. activity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, there, there's there's several. Um, they're not even dormant. They're active things that are continually happening, or the 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 chances of them causing a larger catastrophe. I mean, look at uh, we had what was it twenty was it twenty ten uh, when I don't remember where it was at. Um, the volcano erupted and it like stopped air travel for several days, if not longer, oh, because it, it put so much yeah. ash in there. Right. I don't remember what specifically that was, but yes, I do remember that, in fact. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these are global. I mean, everything is connected, and stuffs. it just ceases to be as localized as it usually felt before. Mm -hmm. And again, a lot of that is um, information and our just economies. Our economies are so tied together that when one thing drags one small place down, it, it, it ripples across to everybody else. Right. So there, there's our, <laughs> our monsters for this week is uh, natural disasters and economic, uh, the threat of economic uh, upheaval. We yes. Uh, well, to be fair, to be fair, given, given my, my area of, 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 I won't even I I want to say expertise but it's not expertise it's simply a turn of phrase like the the those monsters the socioeconomic ones are by far the least one uh least interesting because they are the real ones that are ever present and I yeah. desperately need an escape and would much rather have my lovecraft elder gods that don't care anything about me I would much rather indifference than active hostility 
<laughs> yeah. Or, I mean, though, yeah. The thing is, those are indifferent, too, because the the market forces don't care about you. But, That's um, true. Oh, God. The, the, <laughs> the existential crisis proposed by these particular tales uh, is is far more interesting to, like, consider. Um, yes. Because they're not um, uh, existent and things that, like, need to be considered like exactly you can, you can you can do this and it's kind of a for fun the other stuff it's like well i don't want to think about that because it um it's actually bearing real world <laughs> results on yeah. on things that are beyond your control so that's it's just as bad but worse in its own way yeah um, anyway thanks for coming by to this this uh <laughs> rousing uh look oh. at three tales that you think were weird tales but we managed to just like suck the fun right out of <laughs> uh, uh you know what i think it's real i think it's particularly funny that 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 uh that um legati didn't even manage to get this kind of response out of out of us <laughs> uh, no and we and we dug into his entire like f- f- book on philosophy and um antinatalism and just <laughs> that stuff was it's telling when that's more palatable than than when we're looking at like things that are i think hit too close to home yep yeah well thank you uh, um christopher slatsky um for these these very provoking tales which i don't even know if you intended them to like get this deep but we we did it <laughs> yeah so if you listen to this episode um Thank you, sir, and we'll we'll eventually get to um, your your immeasurable corpse of nature. So that's <laughs> I'm hearing is going to be even more more rousing than than this um, series of tales. Uh, yeah, that we'll we'll wrap it up here. Um, do our little admin, and then we'll we'll catch you all next week for some Castlevania, which is far more lighthearted, but not at all. No, it's like, it's, gen- it's gen- more, genocidal it's, it's vampires. Actually... It's actually still significantly more lighthearted than than this. I I, I would argue. We'll see. We'll we'll <laughs> pick into that too. Um, yeah, it is. It's a little lighthearted. Uh, yeah, uh, Leonard, where can folks find you on the interwebs? Yes, people can find me on Twitter by searching at Dr. Faust is Dead. Uh, people can find me on YouTube by also searching Dr. Faust is Dead. I am currently in the middle of working on a new project for a new YouTube channel uh, that will be specifically for my uh, business account as I am an editor uh, and uh, a hobbyist filmmaker uh, I am pl- and writer. I am planning on uh, creating a brand new channel that will hopefully allow me to explore all of those assets, uh, as- assets, well, they are, but aspects of of um, uh, the arts that I like to engage in and also hopefully allow me to start do, uh, uh, finally enter into a career <laughs> that I want to do for the rest of my life. Uh, and that's it for me. Dave, where can people find you on the internet? They can find me on Twitter at sentinel underscore plus 
there's there's not a lot on there right now. It's been mostly uh, retweets and some, I don't know, just general stuff. Finding, finding I'm kind of like following a few more uh, uh, folklore accounts um, and urban weird stuff. So there's... There's some links to things on there that are that I've, I've that I think are of note. Um, otherwise, you can find this episode and back episodes of the podcast at monsterdeer.monster. Uh, our our wayward co-host um, Cameron. You can find him on uh, Twitter at night uh, night underscore Twitter. Night. Wow! Why did I forget this <laughs> handle? Night twitting without a K. Yes, night underscore twitten night yes, without a K. <laughs> okay, wow. Um, that's the kind of day it's been, the morning. Uh, yeah, so we will be back next week, and we might have a guest on. I don't know at this point, um, but we'll, you'll find out when I guess you hear the episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we will sign off now, uh, and then in two weeks we will be back with the next three tales from this, uh, this anthology. Yes. Bye-bye, folks. Goodbye.